Hello and welcome into the Recovery to the Recovered podcast. I am your host, Pastor Kayla McCall. It is an honor. I got a treat for you guys today. Uh, welcome into season two on the show here on the Charisma Podcast Network. Uh, got a special treat for you. Like I said earlier, I got Pastor Larry Raglan from Solid Rock Church all the way down in Birmingham, Alabama. Pastor Larry, thank you for coming on today, man. I appreciate you being with us. Well, thank you, Pastor. It's an honor to be here and an honor to be on your program. And I thank God for all that he is doing in your life. So thank you for having me on the program. Amen, brother. Amen. You know, I uh, I got connected with uh, Pastor Larry uh, just really uh, several months back. I'd gotten connected with you, just seeing some stuff with you and and Pastor Miles Rutherford online and uh, been following uh, Miles for a while now, Pastor Miles for a while now. He's actually going to come on next week. So cool. Two back to back giant slayers coming on the show uh, two weeks in a row. But man, I watched, you know, some stuff that you and him did and and sent over a friend request and been seeing everything that uh, God is doing in your ministry, your church, uh, the revival that's taking place there at your church, man. And we'll get to that uh, here shortly. But uh, uh, just knew and felt in my spirit that God wanted us to connect. And we've connected over the last, um, you know, couple couple months. We've been trying to seem like get this worked out. And then we connected again at King's Table with Pastor yes. uh, Jamie Tuttle and them out there dwelling place church in cleveland man it was a powerful time which i'm yeah. sure we'll talk a little bit of king's table stuff on the show too gonna have pastor jamie on as well i know i'm gonna make that happen uh here soon uh what a great move of god that's happening there in cleveland with his church and with that men's uh conference man it was just powerful powerful weekend um but i couldn't help but notice man everything that god was doing in your ministry and your church and i just felt the connection in my spirit with you uh, because you're preaching the unadulterated gospel, man. You're preaching the truth. Uh, you don't care if uh, some toes are getting stepped on, but you're also doing it in love. Um, but you, you know, you're calling people higher and uh, and uh, uh, to a place where we need to be in the kingdom. And as the church, the capital C church, you're a kingdom brother. We're connected with a lot of the same people, and so I just felt like God wanted to make this connection and have you on the show today, man. So again, we're honored to have you, Pastor Larry. Uh, can't wait to to see what God does today. So man, for uh, for our listeners, man, who who haven't uh, maybe heard of your church or ministry um, or know much about Pastor Larry Raglan, why don't you give us a, a quick testimony, man, on, you know, how you come to the Lord and, and what God is doing in your ministry right now? Okay. Thank you again, uh, Pastor, for having me on your program. It's an honor. Um, I pastor a church in Birmingham, Alabama called Solid Rock Church. My wife and I, Sandy, uh, founded the church in October of 1994. So we're coming up on 28 years at the time of this recording mm -hmm. uh, in our fifth building. Two uh, beautiful adult daughters now have my first grandbaby and about to have my awesome. second grandbaby <laughs> in, 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 within about another month from the time of this recording. Congratulations, man. Thank you. So ain't nothing like the Papa life. I'll just <laughs> tell you that right now. That's it. Um, but, you know, I was raised in church. All my, from, you know, the old saying, cut your teeth on the church pews. That was me. <laughs> and uh, raised in a uh, traditional Pentecostal church, denominational church. And, uh, but, you know, most of, you know, I'm 55 years old, so I'm, I'm an old man. So, you know, I was, uh, you just you know, getting started, I, man. <laughs> I, I received that. I received that. But, uh, you know, back, back in my childhood days, you know, there was no teaching of spiritual fathers. There was no, 
you know, people just didn't have the revelation of every pastor needs a pastor and that kind of thing. So I went through most of my, my childhood just in a traditional church setting. And like what you see happen with a lot of young guys, I got to my high school years and became the typical jock and <clears throat> so forth. And, you know, I come from a very abusive home and a very abusive family. Um, you know, my mother was uh, tremendous to me, but my father was extremely physically and verbally abusive mm. and, uh, you know, injured me several times, you know, as far as physically, but more than anything injured me emotionally and uh took me down a road that you know is the typical uh poster child for rebellion and so forth and i was headed to major destruction in my life and uh of course you know i you know the bible says train up a child in the way he should go when he's old he shall not depart from it and so you know when i was at the lowest i'd been kicked out of my house i was basically living in my truck Uh, my truck found its way to a parking lot of a little small town church and um slept there in the parking lot got up the next day for church and went into the church gave my life to the lord returned back Mm -hmm. to god several of the older men in the church just took me in and a lady that uh i had no idea at that time would become my future mother-in-law had no idea uh came up and gave me a slip of paper james 4 7 and said when you leave i need you to read this scripture young man and live your life by this and it's therefore submit yourselves unto god resist the devil and he'll flee from you and it changed my life and not long after that i started dating this beautiful young blonde that was there in the church and uh sent me down a road of just really beginning to see the potential in my life and of course we'll talk a little bit later in the broadcast about it but this that was the entire basis for my book that's coming out mm-hmm. uh, i said greatness in you and those five words were spoken to my life from her and it forever changed my life because mm. I'm a believer pastor that, you know, God has put tremendous potential and greatness in all of us. But most of the time, it's a very rare situation that people will see it. But and a lot of times it turns into pride, mm. but most of the time in order for that greatness, that's creating the image of God to come out, to make an impact on our world. Mm. We need somebody to point it out. And that, that was my testimony. It's, you know, we fell in love. We, we swore them down. We'd never be in the ministry. That's one thing we'd never do is be in the ministry. Uh, we was just going to go to church and serve the Lord. And we got married in May of 1989 with no desire to be in the ministry. And by August of that same year, just a couple of months later, Mm. we were youth pastors and we've been in ministry ever since we've been in ministry over well over 30 years now 28 years pastoring the same church so that's that's as much of a cliff note version of of our life as i can possibly give you yeah man that's incredible wow and you know too with what you're doing is a rare thing as well with planting the church uh there in 94 still with the same church 28 years later man what a testimony what a legacy, uh, man, and how incredible, what an incredible story with with you and your wife. And yes, we'll get to that book here in just a little bit. I'm excited to talk a little bit about that uh, this 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 evening, too. Um, but yeah, what an incredible story, man, of what what God has has done in your life and your background and coming into the kingdom and and stepping in uh, to ministry. So so, Pastor, you you've been pastor in 28 years. You're at been at the same church, Solid Rock Church. Uh, a church that's in revival, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But, but I want to I want to ask you a quick question. What you've been shepherding and pastoring for a while now. I mean, and we're in some unique times, brother. Let yes, me tell you, yes, we're yes. living in some unique times. I know it's times that you've obviously never seen as well either. I and mean, I talk with the fivefold ministry, you know, all the time, and 
and so I want to ask you, what, what does it look like uh, to be a shepherd in today's age? Uh, what does that look like to be a true shepherd in today's age for you? Great question. Um, you know, the bottom line is this, you know, preachers nowadays talk a lot about the word remnant. You hear that mm -hmm. word remnant a lot. Mm -hmm. And of course, remnant meaning not just small number, but remnant meaning uh, something that's almost left over. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when, 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 you know, I teach all the time that you know, the, the actual word remnant comes from a sewing uh, world, the sewing, the seamstress world. My mom was, mm -hmm. she was a seamstress you know, and you got the pattern and you cut the pattern out, you lay the pattern down uh, mm -hmm. for, for sewing, you cut out. And then all the pieces that did not fit the pattern are called remnants and they get mm -hmm. thrown away and they get thrown mm -hmm. into a pile. And, uh, you know, most of the time they're never used or if they are, they're turned into things like uh, dish rags or mm -hmm. grease rags or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, but then in the church, we talk about the remnant and we don't really realize what we're talking about. The remnant is the cutaway. It is the unusual it is the doesn't fit the mold. Mm. And there really is a remnant that is rising. And not only mm. is there a remnant, if there's a remnant in the church, the church will always, the sheep will always follow the shepherd. Yes. And of course, pastor is the word poimen, which means shepherd. And, you know, and I believe there is a cutting away and a separation, not only within the church, not only is there a separating separation of the wheat and the tares, not mm. only is there a separation of the remnant of the church rising, but before that can even be possible, there has to be a remnant of pastors and remnant of voices rising. Mm. And, uh, so, you know, you've got a line being drawn in the sand and as you, you see it, uh, you see it all over social media, you see it on YouTube, you see it everywhere that you follow any kind of influence you have two different types of church people. You have two different types of pastors. And, and that is, you know, those that want to compromise, those that want to fit in, those that want to be popular, and those that want to be actually shepherds, mm. actual sheep. So we see that there are pastors that are compromising their convictions. Uh, they're allowing anything in the world to come into the, into the congregations. The congregations are reflecting that. But then we have a small group of true core remnant pastors that are actually not really doing anything new. They're going back to the original, to what it's supposed to be to begin with. This is nothing new. This, mm -hmm. you know, it just looks new because for mm -hmm. so long pastors have been doing it the wrong way. Yeah. And one of the things I always say about pastors is this, if a pastor is too good to be touched by the sheep. He needs to get out of the business. Okay. Mm. I hate to use the word business, but, yeah. but the reality is this, a, she a shepherd should smell like sheep. A shepherd yeah. should be living among the sheep, should be ministering to them and should actually be a pastor. You know, the word says, you know, how can they believe in what they have not heard? And how can they yeah. hear without a preacher? How can he preach right. unless to be sent? So we know that scripture, but so many pastors are career pastors. They're hirelings. And, mm -hmm. and Jesus talked about in the, in, in the book of John when he, when he said, you know, you'll know the difference between a pastor, a shepherd, and a hireling. Right. When the wolves come to take the sheep, one will run and one will fight for the sheep. And mm -hmm. we, have a, we have a remnant of pastors right now that are true pastors that are fighting for the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. But frankly, they're being ridiculed and they're being mocked as being out of date and irrelevant. But if there's ever been a time that true pastors need to be pastors, it is now. Yes, man. I love, love what you're saying there too. And you're, you're exactly right with the whole hireling thing. And uh, it, this is somehow some way over 
time over the last, I get, I don't know, maybe it's generations, maybe it's the last couple of decades, but for some reason, it seems like this has turned into some kind of career and Absolutely. job instead yeah. of a calling from God right. um, where you are accomplishing, like you can't, there's no like retiring or quitting because mm -hmm. you, you couldn't, you couldn't live your life without fulfilling your destiny, you know, yeah. for the yeah. kingdom of God. And for some reason, um, this thing, which I will well, get to it in a second, I think I know the reasoning for, for it and we'll discuss it, but uh, man, it's it's turned into just that when it is not that. Love what you're saying too about the remnant and the pastors uh, that are rising up, a remnant of pastors and true shepherds that are rising up. Love what you said there too. It's like people think that it's cutting edge when a pastor just preaches the word and like stands on it and is uncompromised in the truth of God's word and does not budge on it. But this is nothing new. Like this is, no, this is the no. Bible. This has been around. Yeah. For 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 you know uh, the New Testament two thousand plus years right the the scriptures yeah. four to six thousand years uh, of people standing on the truth of God's word and we living we are living in a day and age brother where it is becoming cutting edge to just speak the truth of God's word yeah. for some reason and the whole compromise thing is uh, that the. The popularity thing, social media has changed so much with uh, pastoring and shepherding. Uh, you know, it is a great tool. Obviously, we're utilizing it right now, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. with social media and different outlets to get out the gospel. But so many have took, uh, taken this this platform uh, that God has has given us and is willing to use to reach people for souls and turned it yeah. into an idol and now we are compromising the truth of God's word. And I, yeah. I'm in agreement with you, man, that there is a remnant of pastors. And I'll be honest, I mean, I, I'm sitting here about to call myself young, but I turned 34 last month. I don't know that I'm a young pastor anymore, but uh, but man, there's a remnant of young pastors, man, that are preaching the truth and that are rising up. Uh, there's a ton that have fallen into that uh, compromise group, but there is some some young pastors, man, with the fire of God's spirit on them uh, that are preaching the truth and uh, power and demonstration. And man, boy, isn't that what we need? Which which kind of pulls me into my next question for you. I think one of the reasons, obviously, why the church and pastors have headed in a direction is because of some of the church models. I, you know, you've been a pastor for 28 years. Um and pastoring the same church. Your church is in revival right now. Let yes. me just go ahead and and ask you these two things. I'll, I'll combine it and then turn you loose so you can just okay. get into okay. it. Okay. But is holiness still relevant for today? <laughs> and and what do you think of these models that have said, let's put the Holy Ghost on a shelf. We're Holy Spirit filled. We'll pray in tongues in the back and we'll, but we won't demonstrate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our church services for the sake yeah. of making people feel comfortable. <laughs> I'll leave it there. You, you okay. turn loose okay. on that brother. Tell me what All you right, think. Well, let's, let's, let's hit the second question first about okay. putting the Holy spirit in the box. Yeah. Uh, you know, my question to those that have done that and thought that was the, the answer uh, to this day and time, how's that working for you? I mean, you look, you look around at the condition of the world that we're in. Mm. Uh, I want to, I want to read something to you. That's, that's one of my favorite things that I always go back to when we're talking about the state of the church. 
uh, most of your viewers and listeners are familiar with the great preacher, historical preacher, Charles Finney. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was speaking back in the 1800s to a group of pastors of all places in New York city, New York city was experiencing a tremendous revival. Hmm. In fact, in all, it was believed that during that time of Finney's ministry, that almost the whole city of New York city was on fire for Jesus. It was incredible how things can change, but he's in the, he's in this massive hall and there's nothing in there, but pastors. Mm. And this is what he says. And I don't know if you've, you've probably heard this before, but I, I want to, the, the listeners to think about that. This was written in the early 1800s. Okay. Wow. Not, not 18 years ago in the yeah. early 1800s <laughs> brethren our preaching will bear its legitimate fruits if if immorality prevails in the land the fault mm. is ours to a great degree if there is a decay of conscience the pulpit is responsible for it if the public press lacks moral discrimination the pulpit is responsible for it if the mm. church is degenerate and worldly the pulpit is responsible for it if the world loses its interest in religion the pulpit is responsible for it. Now listen to this part that he said in the 1800s. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible wow. for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundation of our government is ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation. He, he literally could have preached that on YouTube today, and it'd been just as probably more relevant than he would have yeah. ever dreamed it would be. Yeah, The pulpit yeah. is responsible for it. And the reason people don't believe in holiness anymore, it's the pulpit. There's not mm. preaching holiness anymore. They, they, the reason people are not preaching at the power of the Holy Ghost is because the pulpit is not preaching about the power of the Holy Ghost. So the people are always going to reflect the voice mm. that comes out of that pulpit. The pulpit mm. is responsible. It's the most holy, uh, in my opinion, sacred uh, place for anyone to be in and its influence. Yeah. Yeah. Because the pulpit has influence. We have right. a, we have a, a nation that is degenerated from holiness, from, from the word of God, because we have a group of pastors that have become pretty boy, mm. uh, slick haired, shiny shoed, everything, you know, Instagram followers, how many people, how many subscribers you got, how many partners you got, mm. all this kind of stuff. And they realize that they got to compromise that to keep that. But mm. let me tell you something, holiness without it, no one shall see the Lord. That is Bible. So the yeah. reality is this. I know I was raised, as I said, in the typical traditional holiness environment. It's what was called right. holiness. And right. that holiness environment was not about getting your heart right with God. It was about makeup and clothing and pants and jewelry and all that. And I'm not here to debate that. And I, and I will say that some of the things that was a part of that, we probably need to go back to yeah. because there was some semblance of, of modesty there, right? Right. Some semblance of presenting yourself with, without being inappropriate. Right. But it became all about that. And we, this is what happens, pastor is so many times we swing the pendulum yep. so far 
because we don't want to be in error that we swing it too far. So, you know, from religion and legalism over there, that's not of God. (laughs) So then along came a generation that said, I don't want to be legalistic about holiness. I don't want to be legalistic about the, about the gifts of the spirit, the manifestations, because, you know, there's some cuckoo stuff going over there. Somebody's barking like a dog. Somebody's meowing like a cat and all this kind of stuff and calling it God. So therefore we don't want people barking like a dog and meowing like a cat. So we're going to just put all manifestations of the Holy ghost in small group meetings. And then we're going to, then we're going to just not teach holiness. We're going to make it completely an inward thing and never have anything to do with the outward. So we're going to let anybody dress any way they want to talk any way they want to talk. Just got through watching. You've probably seen it. Just got through watching several people commenting on a very influential voice in the modern day church talking about one day recently, the Holy spirit woke him up and Jesus told him the way you're going to reach the world is to cuss and use the F word. And I need you as a pastor to start using the F word. Jesus told him this because that's the only way that you're going to hook this generation. And, and that's how really, quite frankly, silly and stupid we have allowed the church to become to where people are shouting them down, you know, shaking on the stage, gyrating on the stage, you know, doing all these kind of things you saw the easter production all this yeah looking it's, like michael jackson's show instead of the it, lo- church. it looked like it looked like i was watching the grammys and and, yeah. and but the reality is this all of that is being done under the guise of love and grace and mercy mm. love and grace and mercy is not love grace and mercy if it's not based on truth and so so holiness is relevant you cannot have true revival without mm. repentance mm. because if i could just go ahead and say this pastor um revival is when the church gets right. Mm. And, and and the reality is this, if the church doesn't get right, revival can't happen. Mm. 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 That's so good, man. I, I hear um, what you were saying there. And I'm, I, I can sum that up in one word and it's this balance, mm. balance. I, I preach this so much at my church and, and going around itinerary preaching and things like that. But Proverbs says that an unbalanced life is an abomination to God. Right. And so when you talk about balance, you talk about an unbalanced marriage an unbalanced work and career slash family, uh, you know, unbalanced church, unbalanced Mm -hmm. doctrine, unbalanced anywhere is an abomination to the Lord. It's something that he hates. And uh, man, that you're, you hit it exactly on the head. I grew up in, in church, just like you did. Uh, I walked away from the Lord at a young age and then obviously came back when I was 26. But uh, man, you know, I'd seen so much cuckoo stuff mm-hmm. that I was just like, man, I'm out on all of this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, um, um, and then even members of my family got fed up with the cuckoo stuff. And then they, like you said, that pendulum swings to the whole other side. Right. And then it was just grace, grace, grace. And uh, man, I've been privileged for the Lord to really reveal that to me about balance being key, um, because we need the gifts of the spirit. We need the moves of the spirit, um, uh, but we also need balance. We need grace. We need love. I'm actually about to kick off a series at my church uh, called Grace and Truth. And I'm going to talk about the hardest scriptures in the Bible. And I'm going to talk about the scandalous grace scriptures in the exact same sermon, because mm. that's where we need to be. Yeah, um, yeah. As the capital C church is balanced right in the middle with it. And yeah. uh, I love that. So answering the question, the, the holiness is still relevant. Still we need relevant. it. We need it. We must participate in it. Without it, we won't see God. 
And that is a promise in the word. We always talk about, well, the you know, Doc, Dr. Rod Parsley said a long time ago, he said, you know, the world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly. You can't tell the two apart. Hmm. And the reality is this, the Bible clearly says, come out from among them and be, be separate. separate. Yeah. You know, and then he says, then when you do that, I'll be a father to you and you'll be a son to me. Hmm. So, so he, he basically says, you, you really want me to be your father then you can't act like the old man. Mm. You've got you, when you get saved or born again, born again, mm -hmm. that means the old man is dead. So, you know, you may still have some habits, you may still have some right. some temptations that you're battling, but your pursuit mm -hmm. is to make sure that you are not going back in the direction of that old man because that's yeah. what you just repented from. And when yeah. you don't have that, you don't have you don't true have true revival. And that's where that's what that's what's wrong with the church right now is that we want to satisfy people because let's just be real. A lot of a lot of these pastors have compromised their convictions because they don't want to upset the offering plate. Right. And right. so they so they say what they need to say to keep the money coming in. And Jesus made it very clear. He said, you, you'll serve one or two masters. He didn't mm. say God or the devil. Yeah. He said God yep. or money. Mm. And he said the love of money is root of all evil. So mm. the reality is where we're at right now with compromised preachers and compromised churches. You know, the old saying is, you know, follow the money. If you, mm -hmm. if you, if you follow it back, you'll begin to see that a lot of these men and women of God started out truly seeking God, yeah. but yeah. then the money came in and yeah. compromise came in with it. Yeah. Yeah. While we're here, brother, let's go there. Let's go with revival for a minute. Okay. Um, we're talking about the church. Your church has been experiencing revival. I think with us talking Earlier, we were talking about a, a three-year period um, of, of true revival. I love what you said earlier with uh, repentance. Uh, you know, you can't have true revival without repentance being a main focal point of it. But what what is revival and what is revival not? Tell us mm. a little bit about that. Good question. Good question. Because I think we were raised in the church, and especially preachers um, have been raised, that revival is when souls are being saved. Now, mm -hmm. before everybody just X's out on me and calls me a heretic, hold up and give me about five yeah. minutes to explain yeah. myself. Okay? <laughs> when true revival is happening, souls will be saved. Okay. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Sure. But you have to understand revival is not harvest. Mm -hmm. Revival and harvest are two different things. Mm -hmm. So, so while people are praying for the harvest, pastors are praying for souls to be saved and their altars to be filled with people being, being saved. Obviously that's the heart of God. He wants to see everybody born again and none should perish. But the reality is this. Mm. And uh, like I said, just don't label me a heretic yet when you hear this, but hear me out. Here's the reality. What I tell pastors, when you are praying and you are having all night prayer meetings for harvest in the church, you are praying an unbiblical prayer mm. because Jesus absolutely rebuked the disciples and said, quit praying for the harvest to come. The harvest is plenteous, mm. but the laborers are few. Mm. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, to the Lord of the harvest, mm -hmm. that he might send forth laborers into mm. the harvest. Ah. Okay. So the reality is this harvest has always been there. It's, it's never going to get smaller. It's never going to get bigger. It's always been there. That's the mm. world. That's every human being on this right. earth that doesn't know Jesus Christ, which is in the billions. Right. So the harvest right. is plenteous. Yeah. The reality is 
the laborers are few. So when you think about the laborers, you you understand. I want this. I want the audience to get this. The laborers are not the lost. So the lost are not going to reach the lost. Right. So that statement, the laborers of the harvest, he's speaking it to the church. Yeah. Some famous scriptures. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from yes. their wicked ways, then mm. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. So that famous a nation healing uh, verse there that we can all quote second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah. 95% of that verse is not about the condition of the world. It's about the condition of the church. And he yeah. says, if my people, so in other words, the ones revival is when the church gets right. Revival is when the laborers finally begin to see themselves for who they are because they're, it's not, and it becomes not about them. When they, when the people of God who are even born again, but need to repent of, of their lackadaisical spirit, mm. repent of their, their uh, lack of being engaged in the harvest, then you begin to see an outpouring happening on the local gathering. And mm. so when I talk about us being in revival, I mean, we're seeing dancing, shouting, running around the church and hooting, hollering. And I mean, it's just all that's great. But I teach my church all the time. When you come here, you're not coming here to to get a a tickle or a goosebump on top of your goosebump. You are coming here to experience the true, divine, holy, glorious glory of God to come on you, to yes. equip you for the work of the ministry. Come That's on. what the fivefold ministry is supposed yes. to be about. Yes. Not titles, not not podcasts, not graphics to put across the screen and come titles on. to mandate that people call you and all this. It is to equip the, the saints. saints for the work of the ministry. What come is on. the work of the ministry? It's the labors in the harvest. Yes. So, so souls will be saved as a result of revival, mm. but when souls are saved, that is harvest, and God promises that harvest, but he tells us in Scripture that harvest will not happen until revival mm. happens, and that is when the church gets right, and that's why judgment begins at the house that's of so the God. Lord. Yeah. So when the house gets right, yes. then we can win the community. Yeah, but but yeah. while we're praying for the Lord to just send us souls into the house, think about this. I know you've mm. read a lot of Dr. John Maxwell stuff. Mm. I'll say this and I'll, I'll hush yeah, for this no, moment. <laughs> Dr. John Maxwell has 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. He says everything rises and falls on leadership. And one of the first laws of the 21 laws, the first law is called the law of the lid. In other words, God's not going to ever put more in the jar than where the lid is. So, you know, while we're praying for all these people to come from the north, south, east, and the west to our church mm. to be saved, God is saying, you don't have enough room because mm. your lid, which is your leaders, which is your church, they don't want to grow any further than they are now. Why would I send more than you can handle mm. and, until you raise the lid of that ministry and get the church right? And when you get the church right, it it, it expands and it makes room for the harvest. There mm. are people that want to come to your church, Pastor. There are people that want to be a part of your ministry that God cannot send them to you yet because the church is not ready. Mm. Another thing that doc, Dr. Maxwell says is leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And he said, if you think you're a leader, look behind you. Is anybody following you? If nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. <laughs> yeah, that's so, good. So it's powerful because mm -hmm. if, if it's influence, then your house 
God has given that house, that church, that ministry, that evangelistic ministry, whatever it is, influence. And God is wanting you to continually get right and keep getting right and helping other people get right with God. And mm-hmm. as the church gets right, it expands and makes room. And then the Lord says, now you can go get the harvest. Come on. What, what an explanation of revival. And I'm just being honest. I've never even heard it heard it taught like that with it being uh, something from a teaching of Jesus that this thing starts with the leadership. This thing Absolutely. starts within the house. And you're exactly right on this, man. The, the harvest ain't gone anywhere. It's mm. been here. It, it isn't like it's getting bigger, getting smaller. Like there is lost people everywhere. Everybody keeps looking for the zombie apocalypse. You got to go to go to Walmart. It's there. They're, they're yeah. walking dead. I mean, they're 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 not regenerated. Their spirits aren't alive. Like you know, the harvest is there. Yep. The harvest is plenty. But if we want to see revival and for souls to be reached, man, you're exactly right, brother. We in the church, we gotta we gotta get right. Amen. Amen. Man, powerful, powerful. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Um, uh, last question, real quick, and then I want to talk to you about your book as we close okay. out. But um, man, what is what is? I'll ask this question to every leader that comes on the show that we interview. Um, with with this being the Recovery to Recovered podcast, it's not this podcast isn't limited to recovery and talking about addiction and things like that. Uh, uh, the Lord is instructing me bring the fivefold ministry on and talk about these things, but. When you think about it too, uh, us as Christians, it seems like we're in recovery from something, right? And that's the purpose of coming to the Lord is to get healed, restored, renewed, that born again experience. Uh, We say it on the show all the time, you know, uh, if if there's a road to recovery, it ends on a street called redeemed. Um, Mm. Recovery to recovered. The purpose of that is that God will heal you. He will redeem you. He will restore you and give you back everything that the locust has eaten. But for you, brother, what is, uh, what does recovery in the church look like to you? What's our role as the capital C church to reach people, uh, in the recovery community, people who are dealing with life controlling issues? Well, when I think of recovery, I've been associated with recovery on many levels throughout the years. Uh, you know, celebrate recovery, uh, teen challenge, you know, so many different ways that you've seen God use the recovery model. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I'll say, I'll answer it this way. Um, one of my favorite things to tell a favorite stories to tell people is this, I have two daughters and, um, my youngest daughter was the daddy's girl on, on another level. Okay. So when we would, Sandy and I would work on our church building, the last building we was in, we worked on it 14 months, six days a week for 14 months to restore it, to be able to be in it, us and other people in the church. Sometimes we work two or three o'clock into the morning time. And uh, we'd, we'd leave the church headed home. And my daughter would, my youngest daughter would always want to ride with me. We'd always be in separate vehicles. And she was always unique in the, in the kind of questions that she would ask. And, and the one thing that was unique about it and stay with me, because this is going to answer your question. Yeah. It's a little yeah. long way around it. Um, she would just, you know, kids will ask you all the time, you know, daddy, what's your favorite color? Daddy, daddy, what's your favorite song? You know, what, 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 whatever. And, uh, but my daughter, my youngest daughter would never ask me that. My oldest daughter would ask me that. My youngest daughter would always ask me this question. What is your second favorite color? She always wanted to know what my second favorite song was. And, and for a while there, I just sort of laughed it off, thought it was cute. And I would say, okay, um, that's a hard question. And I would think, you know, everybody knows what their favorite color is, you know, but what is your second favorite color and all of that. So one night 
we're going home. We're driving home late one night, and she just says, "Dad, what's your second favorite song when you was growing up in the, in the '80s music? What was your second favorite song?" Mm. And I was like, "I need to ask you something, Rachel. Why do you always ask me?" She was, I think she's probably six years old, five, six years old, probably. Mm-hmm. I said, why do you always ask me my second favorite thing? Why do you not want to know what my first favorite thing is? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the wisdom. And I try, I try not to tell it without crying because it always rips me apart every yeah. time I tell it. Mm-hmm. The, listen to the wisdom of this six or seven year old girl. She said, because dad, everybody knows you first. I want to know something about you that nobody else knows. And I was just like, what? She said, yeah, I want to know something that nobody else knows about you. So what's your second favorite? This is, this is a little girl. And I'm like, (laughs) so it set me, pastor, it set me on a journey that when I study scripture and when I, Mm -hmm. when I answer questions, so many times I process it through, okay, everybody knows the first prominent Mm -hmm. answer to that question. What's the second most prominent answer mm. question? So, so the answer is where, do, where does recovery f- fit in? And I mean, so I, so I answer your question with a question. Okay. Sure. Here yeah, it is. Come on. <laughs> we all know what the first greatest thing that Jesus Christ did mm. right on earth. We all know that, that nothing can compare to him going to the cross for our sins yeah. Coming back from the from the dead, giving us access to be forgiven, right? Right. Salvation right. is the biggest thing they did. What is the second greatest thing he ever did? So, what is the second greatest thing Jesus ever did while he was here on this earth? It wasn't opening blinded eyes, it had already been done. It wasn't raising the dead, it had already been done. In fact, every miracle that's in the gospels that Jesus did had already been done in the old testament. Okay. Mm-hmm. It had already been done by, by a prophet. And I, it set me on a journey. What was the second greatest thing that Jesus ever did? And I think I have the emphatic, absolute 100% answer. The second greatest thing Jesus ever did was teach to the masses during the day and at night sit around a campfire with 12 men mm. and share his vision and listen to their concerns mm. and speak into their life. Mm. Because without the intimate time with those 12 men, there would be no gospel today. Right. And Jesus wow. understood that. He understood mm. it. That's why I would say, you see these things me do that I'm doing? Mm. You're amazed by that. But don't be amazed because you're going to do the same things. And greater right. shall you do if I go to my father. He was constantly preparing them. And he would say things like, you heard me say today that the kingdom of heaven is like a man that sowed seed. Well, let me fully break it down and explain to you what I meant by that. And he would, he would take, he was speaking parables to the masses but he would break it down and share mm. and have an intimate relationship with these 12 men. Mm. And, and later on, you know, these 12 men, some of them stood before Kings after Jesus had already been ascended to heaven. And the gospel was on them. Now mm-hmm. the, the propagation of the gospel, this thing mm-hmm. called the church, this thing called deliverance right. and healing and all that that was carried out, was carried out by people other than Jesus. Mm. They stood before the Kings and they said, are these not of the 12? Think about, think about this mm. word. Are these two not of the 12 Mm. that turned the world upside down? Mm. He didn't say, is this not the follower of the Galilean? Mm. He says, are these not one of the 12 that turned the world upside down? Mm. So without that intimate relationship, 
the gospel would not exist today. The church would not exist today. So that's why that's why recovery is so important because it's not about what's being said by the speaker. It's about the intimate relationships and the accountability and the circle of friends and and knowing that when you fall, you've got somebody that you can trust that you can yeah. talk. And so the the kingdom, the kingdom is a corporate entity. It's not an individual entity. Jesus was the individual, but if you think about it, everything he was doing as an individual, he was building the corporate. Yeah. And, yeah. and his last thing he said was go into Jerusalem. Don't leave till, I, till we, you receive the promise of the father. So the reality is this, what he did was awesome. There's nothing can compare to mm. the salvation and the, it is finished words on the cross. Right. That, he said it is finished, but he wasn't finished mm. because his main purpose for here was not just to forgive us, but was to restore us. And the way me and you're sitting here talking right now on your show mm. is because Jesus took time to be in a small group setting and taught them how to be accountable to each other, taught them about relationships and taught them and reminded them of the principles of the word of God and the kingdom of God. So you can't have the kingdom without recovery in mm. the recovery model, because the kingdom itself is a recovery model. Come on, man. <laughs> what an answer, man. Answering it with a question and breaking the questions down. Powerful, dude, because you're exactly right. You know, I, I say this all the time when talking about our recovery ministry, the, the world looks at us as a faith-based drug and alcohol program, right? But I tell them all the time, what I am is a discipleship program. Yes, that's it. I sit and my staff, we sit with men in a building and in our new on our new property. Praise God! Uh, and we decide we do life with them. Yep, we literally right. do life with them. We don't just tell them how to walk out the kingdom. We show them how to walk out the kingdom. Yes, um, and teach them God's word and do life with them. And man, if that isn't the answer for the church of what we are called to do um, for this community of people, when you talk about people in recovery, I mean, it's a label we can put on them, whatever, but they're just people that are lost. Is that not our job as the church to go seek and save the lost and preach the gospel to them, man? Yes, sir. What an answer, man. Uh, we we got to hurry here, but I got to give you just a second, man. You okay. you got a book, man. And yeah. it's the book out or you're writing it still? You're... No, the, the book the book is is done. And okay. it's uh, it's launching at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in uh, the last week of May in 2023. That's coming up just in a couple of weeks now, uh, time of this recording. And uh, I'll be there at the NRB signing books as, as it's launched. It's called I See Greatness in You. And yes. uh, my publisher is Leadership Books. You can go to leadershipbooks.com, uh, .net, and you see Leadership Books there. That's where the book will be found. It'll also be at Amazon and many other places. Yeah, um, yeah. It's going to come out in hardback, then it'll be paperback, then it'll be audio book. There's going to be a Masterclass 20 video episode uh, set that goes with it, as well as a small group and study guide will be launching in the next month after it comes out. But in a nutshell, the book is the story of a very abusive life. It's it's called I See Greatness in You, One Man's Story, Everyone's Journey. Mm. And uh, it is it is literally the story of, of a man, myself, that was dropped and, and broken so many times in my life that many of the things that are in that book, uh, I wrote this book just a few years ago. We started beginning to write it, and my children were already adults, and I had to tell my children things about my past as adult young women that they had never known mm. and uh, that I had held secret my whole life. 
And the reason it's called I See Greatness in You is because in, in 1988, I was engaged to this little schoolgirl, Sandy. Uh, she had just graduated college. I mean, high school. She just graduated high school. She had been out of high school maybe two months. And uh, the guy she fell in love with, she found out very quickly was a fraud. I was a liar. I lied to her on every level. I was mm. arrested for a very stupid and silly thing. And uh, she was raised in the perfect home. And just, I just realized it was over for me. And so when I stood before the judge and left that courthouse and I saw her standing outside, I was shocked. Number one, that she was still there. Mm. And I went to this little, um, 17 year old schoolgirl, about to be 18. And, uh, she already had the ring and I, and I begged her to leave. Um, Caleb, I said, I, I wish you would take the ring and find you somebody that's worthy of you because I know what I'm going to do to us, what I've done to my life. I'm going mm. to destroy us and I'm going, it's not going to end good. And I, I just need you to find somebody that you're deserving. And that little girl grabbed my hand and she said, Larry, I'm not leaving. And I mm. said, I said, why would you not go? You, you see where this is going. And she looked at me and she said, because when I look into your eyes, I see greatness in you. Come on, and, Jesus. And it, and it just wrecked me. I went to yeah. my knees. I was just, I had never had anybody see anything possibly good in me. Wow. And she, I'll never forget. And she said, and I'm not going to leave you till Man. you see it, till you see it too. And it, and it set me on a journey to where mm. that's the premise of the book is that no matter what your life looks like, no matter what you've gone through, you have the DNA of greatness in you because you were creating the image of God. And uh, just like I had a Sandy to pull it out of me, that book is going to be your Sandy and it's going to pull it out of you. And it'll be available in May, uh, wherever you get a book. And uh, maybe we can come back on when yes. it's out and talk about the book a little bit more. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Cause I tell you what, as soon as that thing comes out, I'm jumping on Amazon and going and getting a copy. Uh, Legacy church family. Y'all get ready. Pastor Larry's going to come preach one of our revival nights soon. Going to tear down the house. Or maybe he's going to build us up. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I'll tear it down and build it back up. <laughs> tear, tear it down and build it back up, brother. And uh, so hopefully we're going to wait until your book gets done, which obviously will come out at the end of this month, though. Yeah. I want you to bring some copies with you, man, okay. that night. And uh, man, if, if uh, uh, at the end of the month, folks, all of our listeners tuning into the Recovery to Recover podcast today, go grab this book. There is greatness in you releasing at the end of this month. It'll be on some major platforms that you can go and get that book. I know I'll be getting that book and we'll have Pastor Larry back on to talk about that once I get it in my hands and read it and get get him to pull some greatness out of me. I'm actually in the middle of writing my first book as well right now. Um, uh, awesome. Yes, on the keys to the kingdom of God. Uh, mm. I was actually writing a book about my life as well. And God put That's me awesome. on pause and said, I need you to release this first uh, I feel like I have multiple books in me. So excited yes. about that too. But this ain't about me. Go get this book at the end of the month. There yep. is greatness in you, Pastor Larry uh, Raglan, uh, Solid Rock Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Man, thank you so much uh, for coming on today, Pastor. We appreciate you. What an incredible show today. So much wisdom and knowledge and anointing dropped on the airwaves today. Uh, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I appreciate all the listeners and all the viewers. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Well, to all of our listeners on the Recovery to Recover podcast, we appreciate you. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.